0: They'll never stop looking at you. And I'll never stop looking at him. We will never stop looking at him. Uh, Among my numerous faults, and if you aren't aware of some of those, or all of them are of, couple, you can ask my wife, she can enlighten you. But one of the uh, faults I have is I'm not too keen on certain days of the year. Like, I learned it was Father's Day this morning at 9.15 when we were driving here. I don't know, just don't think about it. Uh, So if you came here expecting a message on Father's Day... (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But if you can draw a very crooked line, you might be able to see a connection. Maybe. Uh, at least in my mind, I can. I can walk a line if it's not too straight. So, maybe you can too. Uh, a couple of... Three weeks ago, we had a ministry leaders meeting, and out of that meeting, a question was asked, what happens next? And uh, among some of the other things that have happened and are continuing to happen, this is a second specific response to that meeting, and last week was one of them when Bobby shared on tithing uh, and giving. And there's more to come. Ah. so, I'm going to start in Mark chapter 10. Mark 10, verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking on ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those that followed were fearful. And again he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will deliver him up to the Gentiles." And they will mock him, spit on him, scourge him, kill him. Three days later, he will rise again. And James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Grant, grant that we may sit with you in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said, We are able. Jesus said, The cup that I drink, you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or my left, this is not mine to give. It's for those for whom it has been prepared. And hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant toward James and John. And calling them to himself, Jesus said, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho, and as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he began crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me! And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying, Take courage, arise. He's calling for you. And casting aside his cloak, he jumped up, came to Jesus, and answering, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, Rabboni, I want to see again. And Jesus said, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he received his sight and began following him on the road. Father, we pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would By your mighty spirit, open our ears and our hearts to your own word. Change our lives today through this word. Through these words in this Bible. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you want me to do for you? This line is repeated twice in these three paragraphs. Now maybe you've been asked the question, Would you want to know in advance the time of your death? Would you want to know if you had a year to live, exactly a year or a week? Has anyone ever asked you the question? Have you ever thought about it? I used to have my students at Scotts Creek Elementary School write a paper on this every year. Would you want to know? Most of them are like me. I wouldn't want to know. I don't want to know. But some do. Jesus knew. He knew it years back. And here he is about four days from his death. About four days. Would you want to know? It's become popular in these days to talk about a bucket list. Now, I don't know who started that term. A bucket list of things you'd like to do while you have time on this earth. Do you have a bucket list? Do you think Jesus had a bucket list? This passage is divided into three paragraphs. Jesus is here telling for the third time to his disciples a foretelling of his death. It's the third time he said it. I'm going to die. And here we are four days or so from that event. The cross is just a few days away. What awaits Jesus must surely be on his mind. This doesn't catch him by surprise. It must be forefront in his mind, and seemingly all attention might be focused on it. If we knew, if I knew, that I was dying in four days, how much thought would I give it? And what would I do with that time? Maybe I'd be in the bed, bedridden and can't get up. Maybe I'm... Up and normal like I am right now, if that's normal. He says to them, I'm going to be spit on, mocked, nails driven in my wrists and feet. I'm going to be killed. It's not going to be pretty. (laughs) Not going to be pretty. Surely, if there was ever a time in his own life for a time of self-contemplation and thinking about himself, surely this was the time. James and John, two of the three of the inner circle of the disciples, by the way, along with Peter, come up to him and ask him a very oddly timed question. We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Well, what is it? What do you want? We want to sit on your right and your left, in your glory. Now, there's a couple of ways of looking at this, I think, however audacious a request this might seem. First of all, maybe their spirit was, was okay. After all, they do say, your kingdom, which recognizes the fact that he is a king, and there is a kingdom. And there are places of honor. Maybe their heart was, was okay. I, I, I don't know. They recognized the allegiance to him. But on the other hand, it's a very odd question at this moment. And maybe it shows some kind of self-exaltation or desire for self in them. You may recall that it was James and John, in particular, who rebuked the man casting out devils in Luke chapter 9. <laughs> and also tried to call fire down from heaven on a Samaritan. Also Luke chapter 9. It's an odd question. Here Jesus is consumed with thoughts of the cross and his death. And he's just told them. And moments later, we want to see on your right and your left. So they ask the question. Jesus doesn't rebuke the question, though. He says, well, what do you want me to do for you? With unspeakable tenderness and patience, Jesus turns from thoughts of self-contemplation of his own death and the brutality that he's about to face and bears with the weakness and selfishness which, which would cherish such thoughts at a time like this. And he points to the approaching time when the highest will be made low, verse 38. Jesus says, my kingship will come about through death. And those nearest to the king of sorrows must also reach that place through death. Well, in some measure they will face a similar death, as history points out. But even then, it's not Jesus' right to bestow places of honor. That's the Father's. The other ten react with indignance. They're mad. They're upset. Well, Why you? Why not me? If you're going to have places of honor on the right and the left, I I, I just did just as much as they did. I deserve as much as they do. So here is this awesome serious, solemn, significant time, Jesus approaching Jerusalem and approaching the crucial point of time for mankind. If ever the family should be together, it's now, but here they are, falling apart, mad at each other. Don't you think just for Jesus' sake they would kind of make things nice and easy for him? Jesus tells them what greatness is all about, though. It's not greatness through service, but it's greatness of service. You want to sit on the places of honor beside me? Here's how you get there. Serve one another. Serve one another. Let it be through servanthood. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered to. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. The Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister. Now, all of us have legitimate needs for affection, affirmation, attention. God has so designed the body that that in its proper working, all these needs are met. But we are too often bitter, cross, resentful, hurt, unhappy, dissatisfied. The desire to be ministered to. Is at the heart of disagreements, quarrels, jealousy. To have our own ego stroked, to maintain my own self respect, to see that my needs are met. These are symptoms of design to be ministered to. How much sin, failure, discontent, irritability, anger, discord, unhappiness is due to the desire to be ministered to. And we hardly realize it. It's our personality. It's human nature. After all, we were all babies once. Babies have to be ministered to. Fed. Clothes, Diapers changed. What a great thing it is when a baby begins to walk and can change their own clothes. What an awesome thing it is when they no longer need a diaper. Save a lot of money. Or as we used to do it, diapers in the toilet when they got dirty. Pampers? What was that? Only on trips. Only on trips. But babies grow up. They become mature. They they move from being a taker to a giver. From milk to meat. We almost always want to be ministered to. We have a sister in the Lord named Joyce. since four or five years ago. Her niece was getting married in Mount Airy, North Carolina, where I lived for the first ten years of my life. Uh, <clears throat> and this was a summer when a drought hit Surrey County. And for about 26 days in a row, it was 95 or above and not a drop of rain. Farmland was drying up. The farmers were desperate. There's a lot of farmland in Surrey County. Finally, they got together and had a call—a countywide call of church people—to come together and pray just for rain. Well, Joyce's niece was getting married. Guess where? Outside, <laughs> on this particular Saturday. What do you think? So what's the thing that could happen to an outdoor wedding? So here you have these people of God, Joyce included, who are praying, praying, praying against rain. And you've got these other folk, men and women of God, praying for rain. God's got a problem. <laughs> Who's he going to satisfy? Does he love one less than the other? Which group? Well, I don't have any answers to those things, but I do know this, that come the evening wedding, a downpour came down. And her crowd went racing for cover, soaking wet. Some of them were more than a little bit upset. You see, we all want to be ministered to, we want to have things go our way. We want the circumstances to favor us, we want the weather to be what we want on a particular day. We want our team to win. We want our kids to be smart and reflect us. Bring no shame on us. It seems so right, proper and necessary. Uh, we've been brought up to expect that things should go my way. And when they don't. We get angry, moody, negative, nervous, unhappy. And we spread this sense to those around us. How different it might be if we like Jesus came not to be ministered to. I am ignored. I'm slighted. I'm not listened to. I'm not shown the proper consideration. My neighbor doesn't doesn't treat me with respect for my abilities, talents, position. My rights, my feelings are not recognized. I'm not ministered to. Someone else is praised. Someone else gets the credit. Another does better. Someone else has all the luck. Better car, bigger house, smarter kids, more money, all the breaks. A higher position, more friends, they're more popular. And I'm jealous. I wanted these things for myself. And because they got them and I'm not ministered to, I'm jealous. I've been kind to somebody. I did a good deed. It cost me my time, my money. And I expected some little thank you, some appreciation, but none has come. I thought it should. And now I'm, I'm disgusted. You know, I I, even, I wish I hadn't done it. I feel half inclined to say, I'll never help anyone again. Why? I've ministered to another, but I was not ministered to. And when we come to be ministered to, we often leave disappointed. I was not consulted. My advice was not sought. My input was ignored. I'm constantly depressed about work, home. This or that or the other. 19 didn't win. I lost the race. I can't handle defeat. I can't handle failure. Why? Because I deserve success. I want to be ministered to. I'm a teacher. I'm a musician. I'm a worship leader. I lead the children's ministry. I teach Sunday school. I visit rest homes. I'm an elder. But now I'm thinking of quitting. Why? Why? Is your, your health bad? No. You don't have the time for it anymore? No. You have other duties? No. Is this service not needed anymore? No. But I'm tired of it. I thought I'd like it. I, I, I had expectations, but, but it hasn't been there. What's wrong? I thought it would minister to me. And as long as it did, I'd continue. But now that it doesn't, I'll just quit. But the Son of God came not to be ministered to. You and your spouse, your roommate, your friend, one's quick, one's slow, one's patient, one's not, one's punctual, one's kind of late, one's tidy, one's sloppy. There's friction. Because my love for tidiness or my love for punctuality overweighs everything else. The quality of our lives, to a large extent, depends on the spirit that we have when we wake up each morning. If we come to live today to be a taker... to have our needs met, to be ministered to, to be served, then we will soon be agitated, fretting, and disappointed. But if we approach life in an attitude of serving, life will be different. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And he also said whoever will be chief will be a servant. Jesus, even in the midst of intense contemplation of his death, was so busy thinking of others, being alert to their requests and needs, that he harbored no concern as to whether or not he was being ministered to. You cannot prevent a bird from alighting on your head, a famous person said, but you can prevent it from building a nest. You can choose to harbor no grievance. You can choose no bitterness, no resentment. You can choose to forgive. Self must die. Christ must live. And in the cross we lose life in order to gain another. We have the desire to be ministered to killed, not just suppressed, killed. And the desire to minister made alive. In verse 46 they reach (coughs) Jericho. Yet closer to the death of Jesus on the cross. Blind Bartimaeus hails Jesus. And he's rebuked by some. Be quiet, man. Be quiet. Who's rebuking him? Those who know not the servant's heart. But the king. Drawing nearer to Jerusalem did not come to be ministered to. And he does not pass through Jericho to be left alone or undisturbed. He has come to minister. And so he asked the question that any good king and good servant should ask. Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? How can I serve you? Yes, I am the Messiah. I am the Son of David. I am the Son of Man. And in a couple of days, I'm going to sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm going to lose my friends they are going to desert me. I'll be denied. I'll be left to die. Brutally beaten. Whipped and scourged. And I will die on a cross. But what can I do for you? How can I serve you? If, therefore, there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians chapter 2. Many of you have this attitude. Some of us have it occasionally. Many of you are givers. But there are many needs. And God has designed us, all of us, to serve. And when we find those places of ministry, God is blessed, and so are we. We are fulfilled. We are fulfilled. We're fulfilled as we serve our Lord Jesus by serving His body and His world. What do you want me to do for you? From child care to the nursing home, from free march to the supply pantry, From Sunday school to hospitality, from security to greeting, from youth ministry to teaching, from teaching to eldership. We have this attitude. Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I don't want to discombobulate you very much, more than maybe you already are. But I'm going to change that today. <laughs> if he can change the line on the song, I can change this, right? <laughs> we just say it's the inspiration of the Spirit, right? Okay. So, today this is going to be serve one another. Father, let's pray. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name for your mighty presence in our lives, this place. Our heart is indeed to make a difference. Our heart is to have this attitude which was in Christ. But we are going to serve you. Serve each other. To be Mature folk to be disciples who are like their master. So, Lord, what would you have us to do? What can we do? Where can we plug in? How can we serve? Because it's a joy to do it. It's a joy. The fruit of servanthood, Lord. You've built in to our lives. We thank you for that. So as we pray these coming days, we are trusting that you'll show us. You'll show each of us what it is you're asking of us. And also equipping us We bless you today in Jesus' name. And the body of Christ said, Serve one another. Amen.